Welcome to episode seven of the Big Man Beard podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode seven of the Big Man Beard podcast. Yay! It's myself, Sal. There's me, Lucy. And we're absolutely delighted to have David Beanie from Breaking the Silence with us today. Hi, David. How's it all going? Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm uh, I'm exceptionally busy in these crazy times. I feel a bit guilty because um, obviously we've got a coronavirus pandemic going on, but we've also got a mental health pandemic. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up not looking after my own well-being. And uh, I've had some limited internet issues as well. And we all know what technology is like. It's wonderful when it's working, but when it's not working, it's a bloody nightmare. But apart <laughs> from that, I'm I'm all good. I'm all good, Sal. Good to hear it. That's that's really interesting. I think one thing I'll pick up on what you just met, said there, that we're also going through a mental health pandemic. Yeah. And I think that's mm. an interesting uh, point to pull out because a lot has been mentioned about mental health, but I haven't been, I personally haven't heard it called a pandemic yet. Mm. There's, without doubt it is. Um, as, as a mental health counsellor and with the work that I do, I'm asked almost every day, how many of us are going to suffer with some degree of poor mental health in 2020? And I, I'm very clear on this. It's every single one of us. The first time I ever put a slide deck together about mental health, I sent it out to some people for feedback. And they all came back and said, um, David, I notice you've got no uh, statistics in there. Um, surely whatever you're presenting on, people like to read statistics. And I can remember saying, um, you know, every statistic I've ever read about mental health is complete bullshit. No one knew about me for 36 years. How many more people are out there like me that nobody knows about? That's and so true. I've, I've never changed my view. I think that all statistics around mental health are... Um, I'm just cynical about them because how do we know? So many people out there suffer in silence. That's but, such an um, interesting point. Yeah. You read commonly this one in four. There are, there are certain consistent statistics. But actually, if the problem is people aren't opening up and aren't talking, how are the statistics correct? Yeah, I, I, I read recently that for every 20 people who dial into work sick with poor mental health, only one tells the truth. The rest of us would rather say we've got diarrhea, a migraine or problems with the kids. Yeah. But how do we know that? <laughs> if, if 19 out of 20 people aren't telling the truth, um, I, I guess there must be the occasional survey where people feel safe because it's anonymized to actually be really honest and open about it. It's a really yeah, interesting point. Yeah. And even yeah. people may not even recognize their own mental health issues. They've developed coping mechanisms for so long um, and they genuinely don't appreciate that maybe there is help out for them and it, and you don't have to carry on like this. They might not even register that it's a mental health problem. Well, Lucy, we've got this we've got this perception in the UK that you've only got poor mental health if you're diagnosed with depression or you're mm. diagnosed with anxiety disorder. You don't need to be diagnosed with mental health to have you know times when your mental health is being challenged. You know, if you're going through a period at the moment you're not sleeping very well or you're struggling to concentrate because you've got loads going on in your mind and you're worried about your kids or your parents, oh. or your energy levels are quite low because you're feeling drained. All of that is mental health too. Um, we've all got health, physical and mental. Some days your physical health can be better. Some days your mental health can be better. Um, we've got to start thinking about one in one. 
when something becomes one in one, we start to destigmatize it because it becomes relatable to everybody. Statistics like one in four fuel stigma. See four people yeah. together and think, I wonder which one of them it is. Um, so yeah, we, we've we've all got physical and mental health. Yeah. I do like that one in one that you just said there, David. I absolutely love that. I think that's such a fresh way of looking at it. I've never thought of it like that, that you're not separating the two between mental and physical, but they are, they are, but the same, which you're right. They are. It is. And I've also got this thing about the word mental. I think we've changed the meaning of it to be a really negative word that none of us want to associate with. And if I had my way and perhaps you, you, uh, you two want to help me. Let's, let's get the word taken out of the dictionary because it's, it's part of the stigma. People don't want to associate with it. With it. I'll, give, I'll give you a, a, an example about um, the way we view mental health and physical health really differently. Um, if you put into Google images mental health, you'll see an image of someone like me with their head in their hands looking really sad. Yeah. If you put physical health into Google images, you'll see um, Usain Bolt uh, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Every image is of an amazingly fit athletic body. Why? Why is physical health regarded as positive and mental health regarded as negative? Let's get rid of that word mental. Let's get rid of that word. Right, that's it. New campaign. Here we go. (laughs) Let's watch it out. That is just so, so true. How just like um, you were saying there, type something into Google, a visual representation. It doesn't even have the word, but you know, um, it just shows us these negative images against a, a positive one, and they're you know the seeds already sown to people don't want to be associated or yeah admit that they're that one in four. Or... Yeah, let, let me ask you a question, Lucy. Um, yeah. I went through my phone recently, and I quickly counted that I've got seven friends who use a personal trainer, or as they call it, a PT. Uh-huh. So the question to you is. How do I know that I've got seven friends who've got a personal trainer? Because they talk about it all the time. <laughs> Spot on. They don't shop about it. <laughs> they, put, they put it on social media. They, 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 they tell me. Yes. But, and I'm not knocking it, by the way. It's great that no. they're investing in their physical health. The point I'm going to make, um, how, you know, how many friends, I wonder, have I got who've got a personal trainer for the mind? Um, I wouldn't know because that personal trainer is called a mental health counsellor. And apparently it's too embarrassing to talk about. Yeah. But what's, you know, I'll, I'll ask, let me ask Sal a question. What's more important, Sal, the health of your mind that drives everything in your life or toning up your bingo wings? Um, well, I think we know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll know <laughs> by looking enough. at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm 24 and a half stone, so I've got to say mine, otherwise I've failed at the other. <laughs> um, but you're very stout, and, and thanks for your you know, openness. Um, but, you know, society is fixated on physical health, yeah. which is important. Don't get me wrong. It's really important. It's closely linked to mental health. But, you know, we'd rather talk about you know, a personal trainer for the gym than seeing a professional is going to help you get a much healthier mind. But if you look at it now, so I take all my experiences. I used to play uh, professional basketball in a past life. And a lot of what I know and what I took into business about managing people came from being a captain in a team and leading the team and those transferable skills. But if you look at the way professional sports go in, there's a lot of investment 
in psychology and that mental side now to give yeah. people that edge to teach people is that something as you rightly said we need to take into our personal lives as well to teach oh. us how to be more stable stronger smarter better yeah very much so very much so sal and um, mm. i think you know we tend to focus in life on things that we can measure and one of the reasons that we focus on physical health is because there's so many ways of measuring it, none more so than standing on a, a set of weighing scales and getting very excited if you've lost a few pounds or getting a bit yeah. peed off if you've put a few on. Yeah. And what I'm suggesting is that we don't tend to focus on our mental health because we think to ourselves, well, how would you measure that? And, and my view is that, is that you can measure it. We just overcomplicate it. I could send you two off to the cleverest psychologist, psychiatrist in the world, but only you know how you really are. And it's about being honest with yourself. And we all understand that scale of one to 10. We, we all know seven's okay. If one of you said to me, do you know what? I'm only five out of 10 at the moment. You would know why you're a five. You would know if it was a finance issue. You would know if it was a health issue you're putting off. If it was a relationship issue, a work issue. And it's about doing something about it and uh, and driving yourself to actually look after yourself. Um, but because we think we can't measure it, we don't tend to focus on our mental well-being. Um, but, yeah. yeah. And you just let it continue and build up and so, explode. Moving this into breaking the silence. That was mm. really, really smooth <laughs> change. Because <laughs> I appreciate Brilliant. we just went change straight adapt. into it. Genius. So Genius. The wind. I'm, I'm so good at this. I should do this professionally. But um, how uh, how did do you teach these concepts? Or are these concepts that you teach and advise on in a workplace? And can you just tell us a bit more about breaking the silence and what you do? Yeah, the... Um... I, I spent 36 years suffering in silence. Mm. Uh, and I only spoke about my mental health for the first time um, four years ago. Um, and it changed my life. When I first started talking about my mental health, yes, it resonated with more people and at a deeper level than anything I've ever done. Um, however, and it's a really big however, people would come up to me and say, uh, David, um, thanks for sharing your story. Today I've realized I'm normal. But I'm going to be honest with you. I would never trust my employer um, if I was open about my mental health because I think it would have a negative impact on my career prospects. And the more and more people I spoke to about mental health, the more employees told me they didn't trust their employer. Wow. So I, I've made it um, a massive um, focus of mine and started this a few years ago to help organizations to create kinder cultures in the workplace. Cultures where every single employee would feel safe to open up and um, talk about their, their true mental health. But what I've helped employers do is understand the true value of kindness, because it's not a word we particularly associate with the business world. But when you create a kinder culture in the workplace, obviously the employees themselves benefit because we all want to work somewhere where we feel people um, are caring and kind. Um, but employers are starting to realize when they become kinder too, um, your best people don't leave. You lose less people to long-term work-related stress. And generally, people become more energized and engaged, which is really important, particularly in a year like this, 
with people working remotely and people yeah. going through such tough times. So I think I've helped employers understand the link between employee well-being um, and driving employee energy across the workplace. And that's been one of the key, um, key things for me in terms of getting into many large organizations. Um, I called my business Breaking the Silence because, yes, I initially broke my silence, but I also went on to realize that the stigma of mental health is the whole wall of silence around the subject. You know, we struggle to talk about our own mental health and we don't know how to open up conversations with other people too. So what I try and do with, with various organizations I work with is, uh, is break the silence on this subject and make it easier for people to talk about. And that's been really the key for me. I think that's really, really interesting about the concept of teaching people to be kind. I think one of the mistakes I see young managers or young directors make, in my opinion, is they're still trying to perform their roles as if, and teach people to do their roles as if they were doing that role for them. Yeah. And it's not about them anymore. It's about making those around you better. And I yep. think great leaders and great managers and great directors uh -huh. are able to bring people in and make them feel part of something special. And I think a massive, massive ingredient with that is being kind to people and understanding Absolutely. them and showing empathy and equally showing your flaws. Yeah. Because if yep. you show people you've, you're fallible, they're more likely to open up and talk and say, hey, I'm not very good at this. If you're open about the things you're not very good at, because we yeah. all have things we're not very good at. But I think back to what you said, open up our mental health. I never thought you could open up. And I did feel for a long while, speaking about mental health at work, gave you a disadvantage for promotions, for fitting in for a variety of reasons because I personally felt that if you didn't did open up your mental health, you mm. were viewed as weak and yeah. breakable and therefore not stable and the right person to put in a managerial yeah, position. Yeah. It's, it's evidence-based now that a CEO is more likely to lose his job in the boardroom if he doesn't show his vulnerabilities. Because to coin a sporting phrase, uh, when you share your vulnerabilities, you, it helps keep the dressing room with you. Um, yes. people, people get inspired by sharing vulnerabilities and it, it certainly helped me to overcome my battles with panic attacks in, in recent years. And going back to kind leadership and, uh, and vulnerabilities, the, the two best uh, examples I've got for you um, during this pandemic, um, one comes from the, uh, the CEO of a company called Vanarama um, back in April of this year. He runs a, a very commercial, successful operation in the world of vans. And uh -huh. he, sent out, he sent out a video to all of his staff that went a little bit like this. It said, at the moment, I don't care about sales. I care about you, my people, and your families. And he said, my priority at the end of this, uh, this year is to make sure we've still got a great business to work for at the end of it. And yeah. then he said again to all of his staff, at the moment, I don't care about sales. And that took real courage. Yeah. Uh, but, but guess what happened? Sales went up because his people were so inspired by his authentic messaging. It made an absolute crucial difference. And um, 
just one other quick story for you. But the the CEO of a company called Yorkshire Housing, um, I think I did about eight workshops for them. But he moved his diary around so that he could introduce me at the start of every single workshop. But what he also did at the start of every workshop, he talked about um, when he lost his father six years ago, the, the impact it had on his mental health at the time and how he struggled. So again, I had a CEO who was prepared to show his staff the importance to well-being by moving his diary to such a, a ridiculous extent that he could open up every workshop. And then he went on to share his own challenges with mental health, which um, was inspiring his people yeah. and giving them all permission to talk about their mental health too. And just being so present. Yeah, it's just fabulous, actually. Yeah, I find those those events inspiring because it shows you that there isn't a glass ceiling by having mental health issues. Yeah. And that actually it is normal and you can achieve CEO status and and perform roles like that, even with this stigmatised mental health. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Very much so. Um, I I think that, don't get us wrong, this has been a really crappy year. This pandemic has has brought hardship and and great sadness to many, many people. But some good things will come from it. And one of them will be um, a shift towards a more compassionate style of acceptable leadership. Um, Some people were there already, but it has helped some people understand the true value of compassionate leadership. Um, So I think there will be some good that comes out this year. I also think a lot more leaders have had to become more trusting because many of them were very uncomfortable with people working remotely and from their own homes. Absolutely. But it's been proven that engagement levels are up, not down, since people started working more remotely. Well, it's another element of trust that wasn't there pre-COVID. Yeah. And I think if you are kinder, you trust your people, in return, you're going to get an element of loyalty and increased and effort. Back. Yeah. 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 Because mm. you create a team, you create a, we're all in this together. And, and who doesn't want to be part of that kind of something bigger? Absolutely. One of them is to try and start work conversations with before you talk about work, ask people how they are, ask the question, really listen. And we're also suggesting as well that people have more conversations in the workplace that are not work-related. Because when you when you build those human connections, um, you're, you're actually driving engagement again. I saw a fabulous Japanese CEO about 10 years ago now, and he did a talk about how do you, how do you run an amazingly successful, highly profitable organization? And at the end of his talk, he was asked to leave us all with one golden nugget. And his golden nugget was, um, I've got eight direct reports. I try and speak to all of them every other day, but only half of those conversations might be about work. He sat down and a lot of people thought, is that it? When I look back now, that was brilliant leadership because he absolutely got the true value of engagement. Yeah. And that's become even more important in a year like this when people are having such a tough time. So important. You're absolutely right. Just to just engage with someone on a human level and not just what figures they've got on their bit of paper. So when you go into an organisation and presume 
they've reached out to you to say, look, we want to tackle this this subject. We want to become more inclusive, better at it. How many of those get it and follow through on it? Is it quite a high percentage? Because once, as you've explained to us, I don't understand how you could not agree with what you're you're mm. saying and not become on board with it. What, the, what makes the difference, uh, Sal, is, um, you know, the, my work is, is much about culture as it is about training up people on mental health. And we all know culture comes from the very top of the organisation. Mm. So where an organisation says to me, um, you know, open your diary, David, we'd like you to come to our next board meeting and we're going to allocate you an hour at that board meeting. I know then they're starting to take this subject seriously because if you can get in at that level and change their mindset, um, then they tend to um, build a program that then works downwards and every line manager is also trained on the value of kindness, et cetera, et cetera. And we end up touching everyone in the whole organization. Where I go to a company and they say to me, can you come in and talk for World Mental Health Day or National Mental Health Awareness Week? Um, and it's going out to all of our staff and none of the senior directors bother to turn up on that session uh-huh. or none of them bother to introduce it. You know they're ticking a box. Um, it's about personal commitment from senior directors um, where they need to show evidence that they do really care about this subject and perhaps, they're, as we've already touched on a few times, they're prepared to share their own vulnerabilities too. Yes, That's yeah. when it makes a big difference. There are more companies now who are starting to address this from the very top. But I still think we've got a very, very long way to go, if I'm honest. A long way to go. Mm. What next? Yeah, so if you had a a magic wand and you could change three things around people's perception of mental health, what would they be? Firstly, um, I'd drop the word mental. Uh, we'd never, ever use it again. We would just talk about health and well-being yes. and we just talk about um, healthier minds that would be the first thing I would do secondly um, every leadership development program in the whole country would have as one of its key modules how do you create kinder cultures in the workplace that drives employee energy because we've all had crap managers and you can work for a great organisation <laughs> with a great culture, but if your manager doesn't get it, mm. um, then you wouldn't get it either. And um, I think every business from the very top, the CEO would um, would have to open up um, a well-being session and talk about their personal commitment to it, because I think that um, the language we use is really important. So drop the word mental. The tone has to come from the top, otherwise it's not authentic and they're ticking a box. And every line manager, because line managers are pivotal in all this, your manager has to have a mindset shift and understand the true value of kindness too. Otherwise, nothing changes. Um, and those would be the three things I would do to make the biggest difference to, um, and I'm obviously talking in the workplace, yeah. um, they making are, it yeah so very, much easier. very powerful things though those three things i mean just those three elements that you just talked about there already you know you just put one of those you know in in practice and it's it's rolled out 
throughout the world and it you know would already make such an incredible difference so yeah just with those but isn't that an organization so you'd want to work, work for yeah one one where they have a healthier minds program mm. the leadership endorses a kinder culture and the leadership are bought in and lead the well-being sessions yep absolutely um so um yeah i've never been asked that question before about what are the three things and it you know what it sounded really powerful and uh, I think if, if those three things were three things we really all work towards in 2021, yeah. we'd be making a huge difference to reducing the stigma of mental health in the workplace. Because realistically, the journey we're on uh, to, to one day get parity between the way we think about mental health and physical health is going to take years. But that would be a way of fast tracking it. Absolutely would. See, I, I, think, I, I still uh, really love that, that, you know, mental physical health is one. I just, I, for me, that's completely light bulb moment for me today. Just not separating the two or, you know, even seeing, you know, uh, two separate people. It's just, you know, a complete all under one roof home bargain special <laughs> for your body. Absolutely. One in one. One in one. <laughs> one in but one. But I, I think that concept works for society. You think if we've, if we we're changing mental health to be healthier minds and healthier minds and well-being, mm. we're, we're fostering a kinder culture. And as much as there is physical and PTs and gyms for physical side, if we're all doing a well-being session, as much and as hard as we're trying to keep our bodies in in shape. Wouldn't that be a massive end goal for mental health awareness and support if we can foster those three things? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so much of the time that the um, physical side um, goes alongside hand in hand with your mental well-being anyway. The amount of people, you know, go for runs or for walks just to clear your head or just the endorphins after you've had a really good gym session. I mean, if that's for you. Um so why they're separated? We're just about to start an anti-bullying campaign. There's a there's a few oh, of us brilliant. who come together to tackle that, uh, predominantly cyberbullying and that. Yeah, yeah. But and I'm loving these adults, three things. Yeah. I think they're so versatile that we can apply apply them to a lot of areas. Certainly the anti-bullying campaign. You know, healthier minds, kinder culture, and practicing well-being, emotional yeah. well-being, as well as physical well-being yeah yeah um i feel some new t-shirts some new campaigns <laughs> coming on board we've turned this into a big man beard brainstorming session yeah, just stealing all of david's ideas <laughs> no i all the best ideas are stolen and if i can have lots oh, more people uh, moving forward stealing my ideas then uh, fantastic because i can't do this on my own trust me yeah the world would be a happier place it would so, be and kinder absolutely one question I want since COVID, so the world was a difficult place to live in anyway. Yeah. There's a lots of variables out there, financially, emotionally. Mm. It's yeah, a different yeah. world compared to what it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, so forth and so on. COVID made it increasingly more difficult due to all the restrictions COVID put on place. Never, uh, not alone personal loss that people have experienced and hardship has the demand 
for your type of work in business risen because employees are now having to pay more attention to emotional well-being and, and mental health than they had done previously? Oh, oh without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, I still do um, mental health counselling myself as, as a counsellor. And the number of individuals who've come to me this year has risen dramatically, uh, particularly sorts of people who would never normally seek um, professional help with, with mental health counselling. But equally, um, employers have been forced to look at this because of the amount of employees who are, are struggling, who are yeah. openly saying that their anxiety levels are at such a state they literally can't function. So in, many employees have realised they've got to get more resource on hand. Um, so, oh, COVID's had a huge impact on it as well, huge impact. Mm. I guess, like, as you mentioned earlier, there's some positives to come out of where we are now with, with COVID. I think one is that that demand, certainly for your services, is a real positive sign. Yes. That people are, are starting to pay more attention to it. Yeah, some by look rather than design, or or by circumstance, not look by de than design. And I hope that we can continue. Is there evidence that employees are now starting to act upon that? And as the months have gone past and you've gone into businesses, there is some basis of a well-being program, and some of the areas we spoke about earlier about the CEOs and management team in enforcing it and endorsing it and uh, 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 making it part of their culture. Is there evidence as, as time goes on that that's starting to be taken into practice? Yes, yes very much so, because um, and where I see that most is um, with lots of companies, I do uh, talks where people can attend voluntarily. And whereas in the past you might have got 30 employees choose to give up an hour to come to a session around mental health, you'll now get double that. Wow. Uh, but also, at the end, I always say to people, if you want to get in touch with me outside of this forum, please, please do so. And the level of people following up with me as well and asking additional questions. And um, uh, but equally, on, on every workshop I do, I ask people what they've been doing to look after their own well-being this year. And again, it's a positive that many people are going for family walks now. Many, many people have uh, taken up um, new, new skills, um, learning new languages, going on, on courses. Um, there's so many people trying to find ways to look better, you know, look after their well-being better. That can only be a plus. And I say to people on my workshops, please, can you make yourself a promise that if you've taken up something in 2020 to look after your mental well-being, make sure when we get to the end of this because we will get to the end of this that you're going to keep it going because my fear is we're going to go back to old ways um but again as i say many people are doing more things for themselves this year which is really really encouraging uh, along with employers that's brilliant mm -hmm. so i think well, yeah well i hope to uh keep my project going because i i acquired two guinea pigs during lockdown so uh i hope not to not forget about them <laughs> next year <laughs> And they'll just uh, be dead. So <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be able to keep my enthusiasm and keep them alive because, um, as Sal knows with plants, house plants, I am I'm not the best. No. I hope so. But you can't just 
the guinea the the, the real well, that's, that's why i'm and saying i hope i continue on with my <laughs> my project well i think we all hope so <laughs> i think anyone listening to this podcast is now worried about your guinea pigs um <laughs> no i love them very dearly good pleased to hear it yeah <laughs> a guinea pig is not you've heard this phrase a guinea pig is not just for covid <laughs> there was a couple of weeks i was thinking they might be but no they're definitely not they are they are wonderful they're great and they, they're yeah. treated very well indeed <laughs> i think this there's, there's there's certainly three three areas i'll take away from from this podcast from yourself is that one i agree i think the word mental has so many negative connotations now that it, it's it's almost counterproductive to what the end goal is with bringing mental health awareness and support inequality. Yep. And I do like healthier minds or health health and well-being. I prefer those terms. Yeah. Uh, the second point is fostering a, a kinder culture. I think that's definitely something everyone should do within the workplace and out. And I think Daily the third life. one is that well-being sessions. I think we do need to invest personally more into our well-being 100 just as yeah. much as you would into your physical appearance yeah. and health. Mm, mm. yeah agreed agreed sal agreed lucy wonderful well that's that's been really enlightening actually david and i really hope employees listen to you embrace it it's not a tick box exercise you can increase your productivity you can make people feel better feel part of something if you take on board what you've briefly described as today if people did want to get hold of you where would they go how would they do that they can either look me up on linkedin i'm very active on linkedin and easy to find or they can email me at david beanie at breaking the silence.co.uk david beanie b-e-e-n-e-y at breaking the silence.co.uk fabulous well, thank you ever so much for your time today. It's been absolutely thank you too. It's been it's been lovely to spend the last half an hour with you. Really enjoyed it, and uh, have a good evening. Thank you. And look so after much. those guinea pigs. Look after <laughs> I'll those send guinea you some pigs. pictures. I thank certainly you. will. Cheers, Lucy. Cheers, thank Cal. you so much, Cheers. David. Cheers. 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 Cheers.